With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back-to-back home wins and clean sheets in both. Contrasting, really. Brentford was good. Everton was a hammering that wasn't quite reflected in the scoreline. Only poor finishing prevented a harrowing afternoon for the relegation likely Merseysiders at Old Trafford. Manchester United really should have scored five before the break, but we didn't. And in the end, it was a narrow 2-0, but still a good and much-needed victory as we try and secure that spot in the Premier League's top four. A very warm welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. Thank you for joining us. Today we'll be reviewing Saturday lunchtime's win in gloriously sunny M16, giving you your regular extensive youth loan and United Women Roundup and previewing Thursday's Europa League course final first leg against Sevilla. We'll also play guest the player and in the middle of the show answer questions from our patrons in a patron exclusive section. If you want to hear that, get 50% longer episodes ad free and released earlier than on the normal feed and to help support the show, uh, you can for as little as a couple of quid each month. Go to our Twitter at ETD Weekly Pod to find out more. Jack, record breaking first half, 21 shots in uh, in that first half, just the one goal. We had three one-on-ones, two for Anthony, one for Rashford, one open goal that Aaron Wan-Bissaka missed, but no goals until a lovely bit of play from Rashford, Sancho and then McTominay. At, at one point it was very frustrating and even at half time there was kind of a sense of... of of a need for a greater and larger release inside Old Trafford after having had so many opportunities, but it, it was a good win nevertheless. And, and it's, I guess it's a, a sign of just how good the performance was that that's the reaction we come away from it. I mean, two games in a row, first half performances that have been very, very good against Brentford and now Everton. I mean, let's be fair, in similar fashion to how Brentford did, Everton made it surprisingly easy for us. You know, they've played a suicidal high line mm. without really ever getting any pressure on Bruno Fernandes in this deeper role that he was playing. So, we, I mean, we were able to just break through Everton's defence so, so easily, so many times. And yet, actually, the goal ends up coming from probably one of the very few times Everton were, you know, back in a pretty good defensive shape and we did manage to play through them. Most of the other chances we had were, were from these long balls trying to take advantage of the high line. I mean, it was a, you know, it's been a good week from United and as a response from, you know, what was a really, really disappointing performance at St. James's. So two first halves in particular that have been very good. We We maintained our level more against Everton than we did against Brentford. It dropped off a little bit, but yeah. I mean, like you said, it was <laughs> literally a record-breaking first half in that sense. So it was hard to ever keep up that that sort of level. Like you said, really the only disappointment is we didn't score five or six, which is what it, it should have been. Yeah, especially given that we've had some, well, one in particular freak result this season, the 7-0 at Anfield, and we've been absolutely battered and, and we haven't taken advantage of the days where we could have dished out one of those thrashings and two a team in Everton who are not a main rival, but it would have been incredibly satisfied. And 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 on a on a more serious kind of consequential level, that could have an impact at the end of the season with regards to goal difference, because ours at the moment is a just a unbelievable uh, plus seven after this far into the season. It's pretty. It's, it's honestly really funny. What looking at the table and seeing 
You know, I think City and Arsenal's goal difference is around plus 45. Mm. Newcastle and Spurs is like plus 25 and then we're at plus seven. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. But you're right. The feeling that I had after St. James's, the the pessimist in me thought, I'm not sure United, I, I'm not confident going into these Brentford and Everton games and, and kind of bigger picture, I'm not confident going into any games where both Casemiro and Ericsson aren't available. But we've got through both of them and not just, we haven't just kind of got through them, we haven't scraped through them. We've shown, we, we've laid, laid down a bit of a marker that actually this team has some some proper quality. But you are right that the caveat should be stated that Brentford and Everton's performances at Old Trafford, Everton perhaps to be expected because of the way they are in the league, Brentford was slightly more surprising. Uh, and you mentioned as well that most of our chances came from those balls over the top. But I did think we looked pretty good at breaking them down as well and the goal came from McTominay finishing off that lovely Sancho pass through Rashford with some good footwork on the edge of the box but there was a couple of chances in pretty similar fashion uh, a few minutes before that McTominay had one where he dribbled through from the same portion of the box actually and it ended up going for a corner and Sabitzer was waiting there to receive it but it didn't quite make it to him there were a few chances like that so I didn't I didn't think it I don't think you could just, if you were criticising United, I don't think you'd just pigeonhole our chances being created in one particular method. I mean, we've seen we've seen some better signs recently for United being able to kind of break teams down that do want to sit deep against us. It's obviously been a, a massive struggle for us, especially last season. We've been a bit better this year, but that was mainly when, you know, Casemiro and Eriksen were in the, in the team. Without them this week, you know, Brentford were sitting deep at times and, you know, we sort of struggled to break them down in that we did, we can put the ball in the net, but we still created a good amount of chances and the same against Everton. It, this performance, I think, was good in the, the variety United had in our play. You know, we did take advantage of Everton's high line whenever we could and Fernandez in that deeper role, almost playing like a sort of like a quarterback role as like a deeper number six was really good in that, in that role but you know also from other players Martinez had a couple of really nice long balls so did De Gea actually one in particular through to Anthony where he should have got a shot away but yeah then when Everton did retreat into their shape you know we weren't exactly carving through them but we did create some good openings like you said the goal the Sabitza is like his that was pretty much the first shot of the game I think where he gets the ball in from the left and turns and it got sort of deflected just wide there are a few other occasions too where you know good balls came into the box I think what United have improved that I've really noticed over the course of this season, we're just moving the ball a lot quicker when we are in scenarios where teams are sitting deep against us. You know, we still, I still don't think the the movement and sort of the play is quite incisive enough. And it's, you can tell there's still a long way to go in sort of getting players on the same wavelength, especially when players like Sancho and Anthony play. But I think there has been a massive improvement in that last season and before that, to be honest, Pretty much all of the time when United were trying to break down deep blocks, it ended up with us basically just giving the ball to Fernandez on the edge of the box and hoping that he would do something. And there are, we, we just seem to have a lot more options now. And that's both, I think, because players are, are playing with more confidence, but also I think we've just got better at moving the ball and shifting the play to different points of attack much quicker than we used to. Yeah, there is more, much more variety in how we play. I, to be honest, I, I found a lot of the, I thought it was a good win and a very good performance and I was delighted with it. And it was a absolutely glorious day in Manchester. It was just, I mean, it, it made you think, imagine if we could have this weather for every game. It was just amazing. But uh, I thought a lot of the analysis after was a, a bit over-egged in kind of uh, the, the sense of how, how much people were highlighting the changes in United's teams. You mentioned the Fernandes quarterback and I thought, yeah, Bruno in in that deeper midfield position worked in this game, 
but only a week ago at St. James's Park, we were saying, and I think we stand by it, Yeah, in that game, it held United back because Anthony and Sancho and Veghorst couldn't play off Fernandes because he was too far deep and everything was disconnected. In this game, because of the way that Everton set up, it worked a lot better. I think there were quite a few things like that as well in, in terms, I thought the one, I thought the difference wasn't where Bruno was because Lissandra Martinez can play a lot of those passes as well and did play some of them. And Harry Maguire actually can play some of those passes and even Victor Lindelof can play some of those passes. I thought the difference was there were a few more runs being made. Rashford makes those runs all the time, doesn't get picked out enough. The difference was Sancho and Anthony were making them a bit more. But again, I think that's because of the space that Everton gave you there. There were still plenty of times where Rashford and Sancho actually a lot of the time and I think possibly his teammates pick Sancho out a bit less because he hasn't quite got that same pace. Um, plenty of times where, where their, their runs were ignored. It was just, I, I, what was strange is, I don't know if this was just the quality of the passing from Fernandes or whoever was doing it, but what was strange is so many of those balls over the top, uh, particularly to Anthony on that left-hand side and Ben Godfrey made up some ground really well, especially on one of those occasions, but also a few times throughout the, the first half before he came off at half time. But what seemed to happen is the, the ball would go over and it would look like one of those classic ones where you're like, oh, good idea, good run, good all round, hopefully it comes off next time. And then it would just somehow seem to just about kind of sail above the defender's head. And you think, how's it? Maybe it was where I was sat. I don't know what, what you thought on TV, but the balls didn't look like they were going to yeah, yeah, their, yeah. their intended target. And then they did. There, there were quite a lot where I expected Pickford to come out and just hoof it clear as like he always does. But it, yeah, it just didn't happen. And there were quite a few with a... Whole, I mean, um, it was at Godfrey at left back playing out of position. It yeah. especially just kept misjudging so many of those balls over the top. Are there any other things that you particularly noticed in the in the game on Saturday that were were different from United, or or do you agree that it was predominantly Everton that opened up for us? I think it was that. I actually thought Maguire did really well coming in. Yeah, you know, it was a sort of perfect game for him in that he wasn't put under a huge amount of pressure, and and these kind of long balls are one of his best qualities. You know, playing at that kind of right-sided centre-back as he has been this season. So many times he would play great switches out to Sancho or Malassia out on the left. I thought Sabitzer actually against Brentford too, playing a little bit further forward, I think has had two of his best games yeah. for United. Yes, another to midfielder that United have who plays better further forward. Yeah, exactly. Every single player except Casemiro, basically. But I'm, I mean, and to your point on, you mentioned about Fernandes in that sort of deeper role. You are right that, you know, we were critical of, maybe not critical of his performance, but just say it didn't really work against Newcastle. Yeah. And I think it, w- whether he works in that role is completely dependent on on the game state and the way that the opposition are going to play against us. Because especially at home, when we are going to dominate the ball, he is, that's exactly where you want him in that scenario because he can help us in deep build-up, especially when we don't have Ericsson and Casemiro, who are usually the ones that will help us kind of do that. In away games... And not necessarily just away games, but any game where you think United won't kind of dominate possession and where teams are going to put us under more pressure, Bruno Fernandes is not good enough. He's not secure enough in possession, really, to be trusted to play very deep in his own half under pressure Mm -hmm. because he will try these very difficult passes. And in a game like against Newcastle, where we're already kind of under pressure, already trying to kind of stem the tide of the game, quieten the the crowd down, and most importantly, just get our foot on the ball because we had so little possession, it... It's really tough because anytime you you win the ball back, if Bruno Fernandes is then sort of the immediate person it drops to or the immediate sort of first out, yeah. probably six, seven times out of 10, every 10 times he gets it, we're going to lose it straight away. 
And that's fine in a, in a game like Everton. A, there's more space for him to play in, so he's going to lose the ball less often. But B, even if he did lose the ball that often in a game like Everton or, or even Brentford, given how poor they were on Wednesday, you know, even if we're losing the ball that often, we're going to win it back pretty quickly and we're still going to, you know, enjoy, you know, a very dominant uh, sort of position in the game. So it it's something that I think is going to be very match dependent. I think it will, it could be something we see a little bit more as Ericsson gets eased back into the team, you know, in games where we feel like we are going to be the dominant team. But I don't think when Casemiro and Ericsson play, I'd be very, very surprised to see Fernandes play in that yeah, role again. Yeah, and I'm sure that perhaps he'll feel a sense of freedom when he's put further back forward again. We've we've been maybe a little bit uh, pessimistic in terms of how we're reviewing the game. It should be said, I think one of the good things that we saw is, first of all, you, you play what's in front of you and United did that. And, and I think also you have to praise the team's mental resilience you could really feel the sense of frustration and, and almost disbelief from some of the players Rashford in particular Fernandez as well just couldn't couldn't believe that the ball hadn't gone in in that first <laughs> 15 minutes which was just prop it was a properly brilliant spell of yeah, football and and some of the stuff we were playing was was lovely and all all credit for that but the other thing that I think deserves some praise for is part of the reason it felt so relentless and it and you couldn't believe the United had scored was because the chances came in such quick succession because we didn't let Everton out too often. There were a couple of times there was that Ellis Sims chance, but and yeah. this is when you mentioned Maguire, it's something I thought of because his he was very dominant in the air and every long ball up he would get into it. Not yeah. always just with his head, but he just managed to get his body in front of whoever it was uh, that, that was he was competing for. Yeah, I was going to say he was he was much more he was much more aggressive in stepping out than he normally is. He isn't normally like I've I've said before that one of the reasons why Maguire is a sort of a difficult player I think for a top at a top club is because he his his physical attributes le- lend him towards being sort of that sort of like first engagement mm. defender. He's not quick enough to be a sweeper. Physically he's very imposing, so you want him to be that player that steps out and will sort of come in with physical tackles, win headers. But naturally, his game, he wants to be more of a sweeper. And actually, he did step out a lot in this game. Anytime Everton tried to get out, there were so many times he stepped in front of Ellis Sims or Damari Gray or whoever else it might have been. He was very, very good in in helping us just as, as soon as we went, won the ball, as soon as we lost the ball, sorry. He was so instrumental in helping us win it, winning it back yeah. so quickly. I wonder if, again, the caveat of, of the opposition and there wasn't that much threat. Damari Gray quick and and they had they had some moments but not that much threat I wonder if it's him finally getting used to the luxury of playing alongside Lissandra Martinez and and yeah. having that confidence to be that assertive because he knows that Martinez will cover him because he's just a little dynamo who's brilliant at everything and was again as he was against Brentford in, in midweek because there was a it was an interesting quote from Ten Hag I, I don't think this affects that much, I, I, to be honest, I can't see Maguire being here next season. From because of his perspective, more than United think, Ten Hag would be very happy to keep him as the third choice centre back or third slash fourth, and rotate with Varane when it was appropriate. I just can't see Maguire kind of accepting that kind of role. But interesting quote from Ten Hag, who said, "This is a different Harry Maguire to what I've seen in the first weeks and months. He's taking so much initiative, dominating his opponent, stepping in, bringing passes. So a really great performance from him, which is." kind of the sim- similar point that we were making that just assertiveness and proactiveness which is one of the things we were so 
elated by when we saw Lissandra Martinez start to put in those first great performances against Liverpool and then in the weeks afterwards that that proactiveness that we hadn't seen in United's defence and Casemiro as well I remember after his first couple of good performances his first few games were a little bit shaky but after his first I think it was a Leicester way he had that mixed one where he gave the ball away but also provided assists but also he just kept stepping out of the area to block shots and to make tackles and it was the the proactiveness of that defending that we enjoyed so mm-hmm. much and that's what Maguire Maguire did as well we'll talk about a few other individual players after the first guest to play clue which you can give me because I'm guessing this week unless you've got anything more to say on Harry Maguire I was just going to say, I, yeah, I'm with you that I still, I don't think he'll be here next season, partially, like you said, because of his own sort of ambition. But I, I've got to say, I have, <clears throat> we've talked in the past, that I, neither of us think that Maguire is, even when he was at his best, sort of, he, he wasn't the best United captain. Um, but I, I, I got to say, I have gained some respect for him this year in just how, how well he has done, I guess, adjusting to the new role and not kind of causing any issues there. Not that there, there was, he hasn't really shown himself to be that kind of player in, in the past anyway but you know as club cap- club captain it is obviously a little bit embarrassing to to be benched as much as he has but I think he's he's dealt with it quite well he's saying all the right things in interviews including after the Everton game said you know it's my job to come in and and play and I'm ready to help help us win however we can so I just want yeah. to say I think it's, it's it deserves a little it? bit of <laughs> yeah yeah exactly is, and, yeah. and you know what it's yeah. also it's also probably a partially as well about making sure that he looks as good as he can for another move at the end of the season. He did mention in the interviews, like, I haven't lost since the second or third game of the season, <laughs> which I found quite funny that he was clearly, uh, he's clearly remembered that one. So, but you know, yeah. it's... I'm, I'm as, torn on these interviews because I often think they're, they do feel like kind of PR statements of, they're, they're kind yeah. of, they're advertisements for the Harry Maguire product at Manchester United. But I do appreciate, I think he has, yeah, I think he has reacted well to all of yeah. this. Right, guess the player, clue one. Okay, anyway, so first, guess the player clue. So, okay, I'm going to give you one clue. Then if you don't get it, I'll give you the second clue. And the second clue will include a a sort of bonus addition to the first clue. Okay. If that makes, it'll make sense when we get there. I'm (laughs) worried that if I give you this bonus part of the first clue at the start, it'll make it a bit too easy. So first clue is quite simple. I'm one of only two players that have won the Euros while being a player at Man United although I won the trophy before I had even made a single appearance. Oh, okay. So I'm one of only two players that have won the European Championships while being a player at United, but I had not made a single appearance for the club when I won the trophy. I don't think I have any others that have immediately sprung to mind. So, yeah, I'll leave it for now. All right, and I will add, I'll add something to that clue before I give you the second one as well. Okay, let's um, talk a few other standout players. Aaron Wan-Bissaka outstanding improvement recently and this was yeah. another game where he was excellent and <laughs> I, I, it's it's incredible how footballers can confound expectations and and how form can swing so greatly isn't it yeah it is and and also i think like we, I, with wambasaka i think it's easy to give all the credit to ten hag because you think you know wambasaka especially going forward has shown big limitations, not just under previous United managers, but also at Crystal Palace. You know, when we signed wan I think we knew we were getting a player who's much more polished defensively than he is in attack. But I actually think you've got to give wan so much credit for adapting to what has been a really different role that he's played, in, especially in the last sort of two or three months since he came back from injury. 
you know, he's playing as at times slightly inverted, not as much as, as Shaw does it, but definitely coming inside much more. You know, he the best part of his attacking game has always been the good runs that he would make from deep on the overlap. And that has kind of been taken out of his arsenal now, given the way that Ten Hag wants us to play. He's become much more secure in possession. And we were talking about, you know, sustaining attacks against Everton and how we we did really well at just keeping the ball and coming after them with like wave after wave of chances. He played a big part in that. You know, he was one of those yeah. players that was sort of stationed on the edge of the box, often winning a lot of those those balls that were knocked down or cleared by Everton and, and just getting us moving in the right direction. You know, I think with Wambasaka, I don't think any United fan is under any illusion that what we've seen from him is enough to say, you know, he's going to be our right back for the next 10 years, which is obviously what we hoped when we signed him a few years ago. But I think the performance, his his improvement and obviously Dallow's improvement this season has probably done enough to say that right back can definitely be sort of shifted down the priority list for United and will sort of free up money to go after targets in sort of areas where we have a bigger need. Yeah. I think there's still question marks over both of their ability to be consistent and you kind of worry yeah. what happens if they're both having off patches at the same time. This season's been good because Dallow stepped up when Wamasaka was poor. Dallow's level has, it's not dropped to the point where you're thinking when he's playing, this is terrible. Although Newcastle away was, <laughs> was pretty poor, but his level's definitely dropped since the World Cup, having been very high before it. And now Wambasaka has stepped up. I think it, it partly depends how United are going to play, isn't it? Because depending on, on what role Ten Hag foresees for those fullbacks in kind of 18 months rather than in six months. And I can't imagine Wambasaka will be his long-term choice. No. I could even see United signing a right back this summer if the right deal's there, but it's great and I'm I'm pleased for him. He's I mean, he's, he's he's a very quiet character and you get the sense that he's he's maybe sorted his head out a bit and worked on some very specific things and got his confidence back and and that's great. I'm very happy for him. Uh, Martinez, we mentioned as as good as always. Sancho, another another mixed performance where you saw a glimpse of greatness and and some beautiful link up play with other with Rashford and with Anthony and and Sabitzer and Fernandes and McTominay some great bits and, and a really nice assist and vision and well weighted and everything for the goal and then some that what we said after the Brentford game there's still that hesitation to his play yeah there is there is look I think to talk about the positives first I mean, the assist was brilliant. There was an angle from a, from a fan, I think, who took a video from the side of the pitch where uh, Sancho gave the assist from. And seeing it from that angle, I mean, that it's such a crowded picture in front of him and just not only spot the run, but play the pass through all of that, all of those players was incredibly good, you know, both vision and execution at that pass. I think the thing that, all, and we've, we've talked about this before, the thing that really stands out about Sancho is his ability to, to link up with other players, to play such good passes into feet in tight areas and then the, and then the close control is phenomenal and mm. I think you can you can certainly see why he was so good at Dortmund in a team who's in a team whose style they weren't necessarily a, an amazing team in terms of sort of like European level but a team who were very dominant on the ball and a team whose style in possession was very clearly defined you can see why Sancho really thrived in that and also probably why he never quite thrived to the same degree even with England before he moved to United as well I think you're still kind of seeing that in the Premier League. And I, I think it will probably, we, we talked about this in the Patreon Q&A last week, that we both feel that Sancho and Anthony, and probably Sancho to an even greater extent, is someone that you would expect to improve 
more than most as United improve because he 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 is a lot more reliant on teammates and because that, he doesn't have that that power that explosiveness to to kind of do yeah. things on his own. And that assist was the perfect example of that of that ability yeah. to create something in in very tight spaces when even Rashford couldn't quite find a gap in there and and no one else really had been finding those gaps consistently and he did and that you thought you could take that out and put it into United in two years time and you can imagine that being a much more regular event and hopefully it will be Um, yeah I just hope I think we're seeing very very gradual progress but I hope it, it is actually progress and it's not just kind of papering over the cracks with him. Yeah. The thing that's tough with Sancho is he looks good when we play well. And it, he obviously has, he, I think we had a good game against Brentford on Wednesday. I think he had another, another good game against Everton on, on Saturday. The problem though, I think is when United are not putting in a good performance, like we did against Newcastle, he isn't the kind of player to, because of the way he plays, not because he doesn't have the right sort of mentality or anything like that, just because of the way he plays, he isn't really the kind of player that is going to, you know, step up and drag us through one of those games in the same way that you would yeah. say of like a Rashford might. And I think because of that, it, it's quite easy at times to think that he is a big part of the problem. And I, I don't know that that is necessarily the case, but he is, it's just quite easy. There was a time to, where you might have laid that charge at Marcus Rashford's feet as well. Yeah, yeah. And look at him now. So I th- I think all players have the the capability to do that. I think some of them choose not to. But I get but I guess I guess with Rashford it's more like with with Rashford his pl- his style of play makes it easier for him to be that person who like drags us through and gets us a result in a bad performance. Yeah. As we've seen at times actually throughout this season. I know he hasn't always done it in the past obviously for for various reasons. With Sancho Let's say in you know two years' time, when we hope that United will be a, a very very good team. Let's say we're really dominant on the ball, and Sancho is you know a world class player for us. Even at that point, I'm not sure that Sancho would ever will ever be the kind of player in a bad performance to be like, give me the ball, I will I will take this game by the scruff of the neck, and I will drag us through and get us a win that we need. He, I, agree, I don't think he's ever going to be that. But player. I'm but I agree. I don't think that's just because of how he plays. I think that's also a, a mentality thing, which is kind of what we've seen since he joined that doesn't mean he can't be successful at United at all but it means no, no. I don't think he'll be be the main man uh, Matsumine who got the goal uh, we haven't even mentioned Martial also good when he came on it's a lovely option to have we kind of spoke a little bit about that after Newcastle and Brentford Matsumine some lovely bits of footwork I got the sense watching this it was like yeah this is this is where Matsumine this is his level he can turn well in these games when he's not under too much pressure he doesn't have the confidence to do that in the bigger games he seemed to have some pretty clear instructions as to, to where to go. He pushed out wide when the defenders had it a lot of the time. He made those runs forward into the box, especially on the right-hand side of the pitch. And yeah, it was a good performance from him. And and, and again, another very useful option to have going into these, well, as this very busy schedule continues. And yeah, delight for him. I mean, we said it earlier in the episode that every midfielder we have seems to be, uh, seems to be someone that wants to play further forward. We saw it with McTominay, Earlier this season, we even saw it last season playing in that sort of more advanced role is exactly where he thrives. We saw him really struggle against Newcastle because he was a bit deeper with more responsibility to help us in sort of build up play. But when he doesn't have that responsibility and he can be, you know, a bit a bit more of like a marauding kind of midfielder, he is he is very, very good in that role. He he is a I almost feel like McTominay has sort of come into top level football 15 years too late because 
in sort of the early to mid 2000s when most teams were playing, you know, a lot of 4-4-2, the sort of midfielder template was a, a lot more of this kind of traditional, like actual box-to-box midfielder, like a Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira type, rather than what we see now where because play, so many more teams are playing three in midfield, you see a lot more specialisation. You get, you know, Casemiro as a true sort of defensive midfielder, you get more number 10s. And then even the sort of number eight type role was sort of turned more into a bit of a playmaker rather than like a box-to-box just feels like McTominay is slightly playing in the wrong era to some degree for his for his skill yeah. set, but that can still be really valuable. And, you know, he's obviously had to play more recently as a result of injuries and Casemiro suspension and stuff. But throughout this season, for most of it, I think he's done okay. And being a squad player, he is, he's like a poor man's Darren Fletcher. And I think that is probably what we'll see from him over the next three or four years. I think that's yeah. fine. It'd be very interesting to see whether he's kept or sold in the summer. I think it will probably come down to, I think if United got a really good offer for him, Ten Hag would be happy to let him go. Otherwise, he'll want to keep him around because he he is very useful to have, actually. I'd be surprised if he went if he went this summer, to be honest. I, 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 I definitely could see him being sold in the next two or three years, but I think this summer I'd be surprised. But bear in mind, he's having quite, he's having a decent few weeks. If he continues that into well, into the end of the season and then obviously that that hangs over in the transfer window. If United then get an offer of 40 or 50 million for him, seems unlikely, but it's not. I mean, if we, if we got that much, yeah, but I, I don't see anyone, I don't see that coming in. Maybe he will if, you know, if like you said, if he keeps playing well, but I think it would take a massive offer for us to let him go, especially given how thin thin we are in midfield anyway. Yeah, I just wonder, it, it depends how, how confident United's recruitment team at the moment that they've got the right, good value yeah, targets. Yeah. If they think they can find a better midfielder for 30 million and McTominay can be sold for 30 million, then perhaps they'll... Yeah, they'll that's a good point. Let's I mean, we, um, we've said before that, that, sorry, those are that is the last, sorry, last thing I'll say, that is the kind of signing that I think United need to get better at making in that we are... Yeah. Signing squad players is hard because obviously no one wants to come in and, and know that they're kind of going to be a squad player, but United have really often just only ever gone after targets that are, you know, these 60, 70 million pound players that kind of have the weight on the world of the weight of the world on their shoulders when they come in. We actually need a few more signings like a Malassia type, you know, quite cheap, preferably relatively young players that even if they're only here for three or four years and then you sell them on for a profit after being a good squad player in that time, great. Yeah. You know, that is the kind of signing we need to get better at. And it'll be interesting given that I think we expect some departures. We mentioned Maguire, maybe McTominay, there might be a few others as well. It'll be interesting to see if United get better at making those signings because I think that is probably the kind of money that we're going to get from the players that we're going to be selling. Yeah. I'm almost certain, well, actually, I'm certain I have the right answer for guess the player, but I want to hear, well, <laughs> so, so listeners can tell me, play Tell me what well. position, tell me what position you think they played. Oh, but then I, I don't want to give it, do you want me, I'll, I'll WhatsApp it to you and then um, all right, all while right. you're doing clue two for the listeners. Okay, so the so the bonus to clue one was going to be strangely the other player to win it to win the Euros as a United player was the man I replaced when I was signed. Oh, oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah? that works. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have just seen your WhatsApp, and you are correct. Yeah, but I will read the it second. Took, that took me a second to make sure I had the right. That, <laughs> yeah, that I was would, correct. But, yeah. I think I know what the confusion was, and we'll talk about it in a sec. So, in the second clue. When this is something I only discovered today while researching this, I have a pretty, I I was known for having a pretty eccentric personality, including becoming Mm. a professional racing driver after finishing my football career. 
alongside my eccentric personality, I also had a somewhat eccentric playing style <laughs> that would often land me in trouble with Sir Alex Ferguson. Is there a fight? Is that clue too? Is there, there a, is a final, as well? There is a final clue, yeah. The final okay. clue is... My United career started well and I won the league in my first season, but I soon became a bit of a villain after some high profile mistakes and I was replaced by Roy Carroll near the end of my third season. Yeah. So if anyone hasn't got it yet, it's Fabian Barthez who won it with France in yeah, correct. 2000. I think the confusion was uh, you then spoke about the player, the other player to win it is the player I replaced. And in my head, I was thinking French 2000 team and I thought of Laurent Blanc and then thought, oh, hold on. But um, <laughs> yeah, you obviously meant Peter Schmeichel who won it with Denmark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In 92. Um, 92. And the the confusion I thought you had was even though he did, he was sort of brought in as a replacement for Schmeichel, there was a season in between with Mark Bosnich, but it was effectively a Schmeichel replacement. Yeah. The, um, yeah, races cars now. Yeah, I did not know. He's raced in uh, like the Le Mans 24 hours. He's raced in a lot of big, big races. There's a great clip of him I'm sure a lot of people, quite a few people who probably remember this is on a pre-season tour of Asia. I can't remember which country this was in. I think it was in Thailand, this game. And Bartes played outfield. I think he wore, he tried to wear number seven, but then the kit man wouldn't let him. So he had to wear number 14 and he played with his collar up. It was the, I'm pretty sure it was the reversible 100th anniversary kit. So that would have been the 2002 pre-season. You know, the reversible one, which was white with black trim oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on one side and then gold when you reversed it, which I actually have sitting just a metre away from me with the app stamp on the back of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you have, there's a, a great video of Bartes playing with his collar up with that, with 14, just a plain 14 on the back. And I think he played on the left wing or something, <laughs> but yeah, to add to the eccentricity. Okay, let's go into the Patreon exclusive section. We're going to talk about some, well, one of the questions is, if you could pick one striker from Premier League history, United are not to best fit our style of play now, who would it be? And that's the first one we're going to answer from Ted Popham. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, back from the Patreon Q&A. It's uh, just started pelting it down in Manchester. It was, as I said earlier, it was an amazing couple of sunny days. In fact, three sunny, beautiful days in a row and we've returned to normal now. Genuinely, a full kind of darkness has come over my room and I'm sure you can hear the pattering of rain in the background. Let's have a youth loan and women's roundup. There were no fixtures actually for United Women or either 
under 18s or under 21s sides this weekend. The under 18s play Saturday morning against Manchester City at 11am live on MUTV. United women are in the FA Cup semi-final against Brighton at Lee Sports Village, a 5.15 kickoff on BBC Two. That's next Saturday. We'll preview that game in more detail in Friday morning's episode. We'll leave that for now. Plenty of opportunities for low knees though this weekend. Two Football League match days across the bank holiday weekend. One on Good Friday, one on Easter Monday. We're recording midway through the Monday fixtures, but the main news from Friday's game, Jack, was from Ahmad again, right? Yeah, the star man yet again. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have already seen a little bit from this match because it was crazy. Sunderland ended up drawing 4-4 against Hull. Hull equalised in the 98th minute from the penalty spot. But Ahmad, once again, was a star for Sunderland. He scored two goals, including one penalty. He's now, with those two goals, he's now the joint leading scorer among players under 21 in the entire Football League. Wow. You know, as a player that's been playing as sort of a number 10 or out wide for most of the season, a, a pretty phenomenal record. He just continues to to go from strength to strength for, for Sunderland. It is, it's, I mean, it's a bit of, you couldn't really have imagined a better loan spell for Ahmad and it'll be interesting to see what happens with him when he does return to United at the end of the season. Elsewhere, there were still some, some other positives actually for a few, few United loanees. Firstly, Charlie McNeil scored again for Newport, his second goal for them. They won 3-0 against Northampton. McNeil actually didn't start this game, but he came on as a sub and scored in injury time. It was a lovely goal actually, sort of received the ball on the, the left corner of the box with facing up a defender and then shifted it onto his left foot and, and scored into the bottom corner across the keeper. Lovely finish. Hopefully McNeil can start getting a few more minutes. He, he did start most of the games when he first went to Newport. Didn't quite hit the ground running and he's been bent, uh, starting on the bench more recently, but with a couple of goals under his belt, hopefully he can start working his way back into the starting lineup. And then the two other loanies that were, well, one in particular that scored and two, two of them at Altrincham. We talked about this sort of new innovative loan system that United have got going on where Joe Hugo and Maxi Oyadeli are sort of training with United but playing for Altrincham. Maxi Oyadeli, they they both started on the bench, both came on at the same time around around the hour mark. Altrincham actually had a man sent off and were 2-0 down in the 80th minute before Maxi Oyadeli scored to make it 2-1 and they would end up coming back to draw the game 2-2 despite being down to 10 men and 2-0 down with 10 minutes to go. So good day for them elsewhere. Sort of less notable performances, but still good minutes. Charlie Savage featured for Forest Green in defeat to Derby. Deshaun Barnard played all 90 minutes for Portsmouth as they drew with MK Dons. Alvaro Fernandez and Ethan Laird actually played against each other this week for Preston and QPR respectively, but never never managed to get on the pitch at the same time. Uh, Laird started for QPR, but only played 60 minutes. Uh, he's still kind of working his way back from injury. While Fernandez started as a sub and was brought on for the last 10 minutes after starting on the bench. Uh, Preston ended up winning that one 2-0. And then lastly, and slightly worse news for uh, one of our loanies in the championship, Hannibal has really struggled for minutes recently for Birmingham. Uh, about a month ago, he was sort of taken out of the starting lineup and hasn't managed to regain his place. He again started on the bench at Birmingham. He came on after around 70 minutes uh, against Reading and he also started on the bench again today against Stoke. Uh, we're recording while all of those games are, are still happening. So a lot of those loanies will be getting more minutes Today, while we're recording, that we can update you on later on. The last thing I want to mention, not related to a United loanee, but has been going on while we've been recording. Harry, have you seen any anything of what's happened in the Wrexham-Notts County game in the National League? No. How dramatic has it been? Well, very. Uh, it ended up 3-2 to Wrexham wow. after Ben Foster, uh, somehow. So I guess it does have a United link there. Now playing for Wrexham, saved a 97th minute penalty wow. to, to win the game for Wrexham. <laughs> 
So what does that do to... So yeah, they go three points so clear at the top of the Rex, table with a game in hand. Yeah, and I th- yeah exactly. Interesting. I think there's like four or five games left, something like that. I was hoping Notts County would win that one. I think the longer Wrexham <laughs> are, are held back, the better. A uh, couple of final loan bits. Will Fish played the full match for Hibernian in a 2-1 defeat away at Dundee United. They conceded a last-minute penalty. Fish didn't get it, give it away, but uh, late disappointment for them. And Mate Kova, the goalkeeper, got another clean sheet in an 11th consecutive win for Sparta Prague, who have moved to the top of the Czech top flight, which is, so yeah, another loan move going very well there for Mate Kova. Let's talk Thursday's game against Sevilla. Currently 13th in La Liga, the last time I checked, at least. Last season, they competed for the title with Real Madrid, then fell off very late on. I think everyone knows that they are perennial Europa League winners six times in 2006 and 2007, and then three in a row from 2014 to 2016. And then after they beat us in the semi-final in lockdown in that strange Germany-hosted semi-final final tournament in 2020. It's been a really weird season for them. Their current manager is their third permanent manager of the season, Jose Luis Mendilibar. They had Julian Lopetegui, who was sacked in October, obviously now at Wolves. Then they had Jorge Sampaoli, who returns to the club, having been there a few years before. He was sacked in at the end of March. At that point, they were just two points above the relegation zone. Things have improved a bit under Mendilibar. They beat PSV in the round of 32, Fenerbahce in the round of 16. The sense I get from uh, watching their highlights and reading up a bit about them, they've changed to be having been very possession dominant, but losing pretty much all their games. They they got two wins in their opening 15 league games, which is incredible. Um, and, and relegation was a proper genuine concern, which is even more incredible given they've had 20 consecutive top half finishes. But the, the sense you now get is since Mendilibar came in, he's a 62 year old Basque manager. Uh, they, they've gone very pragmatic, seeking results over anything long-term, which is obviously understandable, but they're happy to go direct. They're happy to sit back if it means winning. They've got a pretty decent striker in Yusuf and Nesri. Uh, even Rakitic is still there playing at number 10. You've got uh, a good defence midfield in John Jordan. Jesus Navas is still there, the ex-City winger. He's now playing in defence as captain. He's their record appearance maker. Eric Lamella's been doing pretty well. Lucas Acampos, who was at Ajax, but is back at Sevilla, is playing very well again now. So they have got some good players. And yet again, we've been hit by the manager curse where uh, a team in terrible form, who we were due to play, have changed their manager. But it's, I think it's going to be really tough. Yeah, it will be tough. I mean, third Spanish opposition in a row, you couldn't really make it up for United, especially given how terrible our fourth. record... What, how, fourth, sorry. Yeah, how, how, many, uh, how many years in a row is it that we've been knocked out by Spanish opposition? It's like four or five, isn't it? Something yeah. like that. Although me and my brother were talking about this a couple of days ago and you'd be surprised at our record away in Spain recently because I'm pretty sure we're unbeaten in six games away in Spain despite being knocked out several times. Wow. Well, yeah, I guess what we played four there this season, haven't lost. We also drew against Atletico away, didn't we? Yeah, we drew against Atletico. We beat Villarreal away from home. And oh, of uh, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the season before, we beat Granada away from home. Uh, we beat yeah. Real Sociedad, and then even though we lost injury. to, yeah, and then even though we lost to Villarreal in the final, it was obviously not in Spain. Yeah, so the last time we lost in Spain was actually the Barcelona game at the New Camp in 2019. Oh but wow! Yeah. So our record is is much improved yeah. against Spanish teams. The the biggest thing for United is getting Casemiro back, obviously, and he'll come back 
being very refreshed, having not played very, very much in the last couple of weeks. That is a, a huge, huge boost yeah, for us. Rejoice. Ericsson probably won't start, but yeah. Christ has you know, risen. <laughs> I mean, the, the big worry, which actually we haven't even mentioned yet, is, is obviously the Rashford injury. I'm surprised we haven't had any news at all about it yet. I thought, you know, we're almost, well, we're over 48 hours after the game against Everton now, I thought we'd have some news about the extent of that injury. Everyone's off on holiday. It's the it's the bank holiday. Well, true, true. It's genu- I, I mean, genuinely think, think that's, that's probably you, right. I mean, you think Rashford's injury would be important enough to, to uh, get over I'm that sure, problem, but I'm sure they're aware of what it is in the club. I mean, uh, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. The, the reporting the, lines aren't, aren't quite yeah. there. It, it seems to be, it's a groin injury and I fear it could be a couple of precautionary weeks out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it didn't, uh, just trying to read into it as you know people with very limited uh, <laughs> medical knowledge it didn't it, it didn't seem like it was going to be season ending based on how he pulled up and how he walked off the pitch you know it clearly wasn't a a terrible like tear where you know it can take months and months to heal but i mean he was walking off very gingerly it would surprise me if it's anything less than like a week and a half two weeks the the thing is at the moment that makes injuries so difficult for united to deal with is even a minor injury yeah. means you miss five or six games, you know, like a two week injury is effectively missing five games, six games. And that is, you know, obviously a massive, massive thing for us to worry about. So I seems think if like, Rashford is fit, which I doubt it, I'd be very confident. Yeah. It seems like Shaw probably will miss this game as well. We'll get an update on Wednesday when Tanaga's press conference, but I think that's another massive miss. And I did think, yeah. I thought Malassi was fine um, against Everton, but I did think, in, in that kind of brilliant opening spell, I thought if you had just Shaw's quality of, of ball yeah. here, I think we'd be one and up earlier than we were. And when it's going to be tighter margins, which I think it will, maybe we'll be proved wrong and it'll be like Real Betis and we'll be concerned and then just blow them away. But I just don't see it. I think I think against the team, I mean, this is silly given we've just played Everton, but what the point I was going to say is against the team who are kind of got in the mindset of a relegation fight and will just come to Old Trafford hoping to get a draw and take that back to Spain. It could be pretty tricky, but we're playing well. But yeah, yeah Rashford and Shaw, those two out, big miss. On the other hand, yeah, Casemiro back. So yeah, I think we'll win. Over the two legs or, on, or this week? Both. Okay. I, I, I think I think it's going to be stressful. I, I, I'm definitely not expecting a, a Betis kind of performance, but I, I am confident that we'll win over the two legs. Good. Good. I'm going uh, oh, 2-1. I predict 2-1 for everything these days because it's the most <laughs> common scoreline in football and it, it it's, it's a very safe one. But I don't know if I actually do predict. Yeah, yeah, I'll go 2-1. I'm, I'm imagining a a similar a similar tie to when we played AC Milan in, was that the semi-finals or quarter-final in 2020, right. 2021? Yeah. I think we're going to draw at home. And and mm. win away, yeah. So I'm I'm going one one. Uh, yeah, as I said, two one. I can really see one one happening. Them scoring with a quite late goal after we've dominated, but only managed to score one goal. Yeah, I could I could absolutely see that. <laughs> Which is uh, <laughs> I could I could, yeah, could definitely I could definitely it, but, I could definitely see Sevilla coming out playing quite defensively, really trying to just take this thing out of the game first half, and then suddenly you, you sort of feel in the second half and start to grow into the game. United miss a few chances. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, last 20 minutes, you know, they're playing great football and we're under the cosh a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What an optimistic way to end it. (laughs) But the important thing is we've got through four games without Casemiro and only one of them was rubbish. The other three we won. 
So that'll do it really well. Now let's see how we can get through games without Rashford and Shaw. Such is the nature of them of this part of the season. It's the it's just just how it's always going to go. And this is what we said a few weeks ago, isn't it? You just it yeah. gets, you, you get the sense that Ten Hag's just seeing how far it can go. And this is how far. A few players injured. Let's see what we can do on Thursday. It's going to be exciting. And then yeah. FA Cup semi-final for United Women on Saturday as well. So a big week for the club all round. Uh, for our reaction, we'll be reacting to the Severe game on Friday and previewing the FA Cup semi-final for Mark Skinner's side. And then uh, we've got Nottingham Forest away on Sunday. So we'll be reacting to that next Monday evening slash Tuesday morning. Until then, for our thoughts throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at, at UTDTates, T-A-I-T. You can find me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.